You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Karen Butler, Senior Editor. Hello, and welcome to a Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider podcast. I'm Karen Butler, a Senior Editor with Informa Health and Nutrition. Today, I'll be speaking with Len Monheit, Executive Director of the Global Prebiotic Association. Len has more than 20 years' experience in the natural products and dietary supplement industry with a strong focus in digital media. Len, welcome. Thank you, Karen. Pleasure to be here with you. Well, Len and I worked together on the market opportunities for prebiotic session that took place November 9th in Las Vegas at Supply Side West. It was an inaugural session in terms of dedicated education programming for prebiotics. Len, how do you think the session went? We were extremely happy with it. I thought it went exceptionally well. We had over 100 people in the room. I understand that our pre-registration was over 120. People were highly engaged. They stayed till the end. It was a Vegas Friday afternoon. Um, Mm -hmm. We presented a good overview of the state of the science and category. The questions were good. And we talked about opportunities and some foreseeable challenges for the category. So very, very pleased with the entirety of it. Good. I could not agree more. I I just really felt like there was almost a tangible excitement in the room, Um, kind of like, you know, this whole group is getting in on the ground floor and there's just so much potential for growth and expansion. Well, let's do a quick run through of our speakers. First, we had Dr. David Heber. He's out of UCLA. And Dr. Heber is both an MD and a PhD. And I thought he brought like a really well-rounded and user-friendly view of the microbiome, of the science behind it. Was there anything that he shared that stood out to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've heard David uh, speak on a couple of occasions, and uh, and this time um, the diversity of materials with prebiotic activity was mm-hmm. impactful for me. Obviously, including the traditional, uh, the fiber-resistant starches. But then he also delved into his recent investigations into polyphenols and their prebiotic activity. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about his work finding responders and then non-responders. Uh, which I think we have in a lot of categories of nutrition, but to have it specifically in prebiotics was interesting. And obviously that took us down a little bit of path of the degrees of potential personalization that could be possible in this area. Uh, it was actually his work on responders that caused him to begin commercializing a symbiotic that is a combination of a prebiotic and a probiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, he also talked about postbiotics, and those are the bioactive compounds that are created post-microbiome interaction. So very interesting talk. Yeah, I agree. Um, So much more even to learn about the microbiome. You know, I feel like we get a handle on it, but then it just opens up more questions. He was mentioning research that um, the microbiome and the metabolic pathways in identical twins has been found to be different. So you would think that you have, you know, such a common ground there. Uh, It's basically turning personalized nutrition on its head, as you mentioned, because there's just so many more variables, especially where the microbiome is concerned. So we also heard from Dr. Robert Hopkins. He's from the University of Nebraska, and he dove a little deeper into the definition of prebiotics and that side of things. Anything you'd like to mention about his work or presentation? Right. So it was nice to hear the chronology of the evolution of the definition according to ISAP. Uh, which Mm -hmm. is the Association for Prebiotics and Probiotics, who was involved, the specific changes, what they meant, the consensus process, um, and the standards that ISAC considers when they evaluate the state of the science, including looking for two gold standard um, RCTs with a placebo control. How do you really have a true placebo when you're measuring the impact of bioactives? 
Right. I, I also th- found it interesting. He had mentioned that most the most established prebiotics, inulin, galacto-oligosaccharides, fructo-oligosaccharides, are the most established just because they've been the most used in clinical studies. But there are a lot of prebiotics that are coming up uh, in the research, the xylo-oligosaccharides and so forth. So we can expect to see just even so much more in that field. Exactly. And that ties to the work that Heber's doing with prebiotics, mm-hmm. with, uh, with polyphenolics, mm-hmm. um, and some of the pectins and some other substances and substrates. Yeah, that'll be fun to keep an eye on. And then in the presentation in Vegas, you inserted some timely research, which I really appreciated, both from my colleagues at Nutrition Business Journal and the Next Trends database, as well as your own insights. Can you give our listeners an overview of some of those findings? All right. So we presented a few different data pieces, all released essentially for the first time. Um, the Prebiotic Association had uh, performed some consumer awareness work uh, measuring against other categories. We did this mostly as a baseline um, to see where the category for prebiotics would go. Um, not surprisingly, prebiotics have some work to do. It ranked ahead of a category like astaxanthin, but behind coenzyme Q10 and many of the more popular categories such as probiotics. The second piece of information we presented had to do with the reason for purchasing prebiotics, finding out that it's not really all about fiber. For those that buy, they're specifically looking for the term prebiotic. They associate it with gut health, or they're looking to combine it with a probiotic for a more complete solution. As you mentioned, we then went into some new Nutrition Business Journal and Next Trends database information. Um, the first piece was market sizing of U.S. Prebiotic, prebiotic supplement sales currently, and this is the year 2017, at 41 million across all channels. The real interesting part about this is that it's projected to grow to almost 400 million by 2020. We also examined the combinations of pre and probiotics, again, supplement only, and the market there is uh, 566 million currently. By 2020, we see that going to 900 million. Now, these are early projections. It's interesting. Um, it also mm-hmm. is supplements alone. We then went into the next trend database to try to get an idea of product launches at the expos outside of supplements, which, uh, the, which the next trend database tracks. And we looked specifically at snack, energy, and granola bars. And we found that product launches of prebiotic in this category went from 22 at Expo West 2016 to 48 at Expo West 2018. They more than doubled. Mm. This gives mm. us a nice snapshot of where the market is across a number of categories and where it could go. It's pretty exciting. Absolutely. And, and we're only talking, as you said, uh, just a piece of it with those few categories. Exactly. Anything else from the data? That's it from the data. Um, more to gather. And we've got some great baseline information. So uh, it'll be interesting to track this and expand the data set over the course of the next year or so. Yes, for sure. Well, after that, traveling dietitian Cara Landau took the stage, and she shared a peek at the variety of CPGs that are using prebiotics and where she thought there was significant opportunity for product development. I thought that was a really interesting, you know, these products are on the shelves view. What kind of takeaways did you glean from her presentation? Exactly. Very interesting, very diverse in the product scope. So I think Mm -hmm. the takeaways are that there's broad proliferation already. Uh, Mm -hmm. that the product development opportunities, they straddle food, beverages, and supplements. They are ultimately going to be in more than just gut health and digestion. 
because she talks mm. about mood, energy, beauty from within, yeah. and other applications. Mm-hmm. And I also was struck by the fact that the term prebiotic in the market was far, far broader than the ISAT definition that Dr. Hutkins talked about earlier. And she mentioned that digestive health is currently the number one category for this, but as you said, we are seeing it spread across. It was fun to see uh, the different sources of prebiotics and, and the types of food, as you said, they're going into. So she had green banana flour, tiger nut, jicama, mung bean, uh, baobab fruit powder, uh, really just mind-blowing to look at, at how quickly this is taking off. And she also includes some of the natural prebiotics and getting into the fermented realm. So that was mm-hmm. a very, very broad scope presentation to understand the entire universe. Right. And we should also note, um, she mentioned that some of the popular specialized diets like the keto and the paleo uh, actually remove a lot of the prebiotic sources from the natural diet so that supplementation will be uh, an area with a lot of potential as well. Well, lastly, we had attorney Ivan Wasserman from Amin Talati, and he gave a regulatory update, which is so important in an area like prebiotics, where, as you said, we're still navigating things like definitions and fiber claims. Any comments on what Ivan shared or the regulatory landscape in general? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to watch this this evolve. We've actually had some preliminary dialogue with FDA, who really is, is not on the dietary supplement side, tracking this very um, actively. It's more food fiber consideration currently at the FDA. But Ivan's presentation talked in general about the U.S. regulatory agencies that are sort of considered an oversight and then went into the specifics. Um, there was not much that FDA had done specifically with prebiotics. So where possible, he actually illustrated his points using the probiotics market. Um, he did note the recent development in fiber decisions by the FDA. Uh, but then he also mentioned the lack of an FDA prebiotic definition and some of the challenges that this might mean for the category moving forward, whether that involved claim substantiation or even something like protection from plaintiff's attorneys. Indeed. Well, that sounds like a great segue into your organization. What types of issues do you anticipate the GPA will be working on in the coming year? Well, well, well. Excited by the uh, by the engagement on Friday. There's a there's a broad work plan that we think needs to be addressed. And, uh, and I guess I'd start by saying that while ISEP has a definition and a process for adjusting that definition, we do need a simple market definition or approach that consumers can understand, um, mm-hmm, that the media mm-hmm. can appreciate, and we need to begin the dialogue with the supplement side of FDA to make sure we've got the appropriate regulatory environment. So that's certainly part of the plan. We need to be communicating that, pro- that prebiotics are more than fiber. Uh, we need to continue to understand where the market is going, uh, that it does so responsibly and with limited exploitation of the term prebiotic. So we'll be communicating with the scientific community, the media, regulators, consumers in a broad education program. We'll be tracking the category of science to be a resource, to be an objective voice. We'll also liaise with groups like the International Probiotics Association so that the development of symbiotics is also properly stewarded and presented. Well, that's no small task, sir. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you are uh, on top of all areas of the market. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about prebiotics? I guess to, to, to conclude, um, we believe that the data, the current science, the interest and the opportunity actually make this one of the most interesting health ingredient categories. And I'm speaking globally. 
The questions at the end of the, the session on Friday at Supply Side West showed really high engagement. Um, there's top people interested in the science, they're interested in the regulations, they're interested in product development across multiple ingredient subcategories within the prebiotic realm. Um, in summary, we've got a growing category. We have inconsistency or a lack of a totally common definition. Certainly, we don't have a simple definition, but there's a lot of work in education to be done. I agree. Well, I'm glad that you guys are on it, as I mentioned. Uh, for more information, please visit the GPA website, prebioticassociation.org. Len, thank you so much for your work in the prebiotic space and with us, as well as for your time today. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, thanks for the workshop opportunity and look forward to, uh, to working together in the future. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts.